0: Lesson number 56, Surah Al-Nisa', ayah number 15 to 25. Wallati y'a'tina al-fahishata min nisa'ikum. and those women who. Alati is the plural of allati, allati she who. allati those women who. This is just like allati is singular and what's the plural of that? What's the plural of allati? Alladina. Alright, so allati, allati. So those women who, yatina al they come with fahisha, meaning they commit fahisha. What is fahisha? Fahisha is such an act which the law rejects, which the people reject, meaning it is considered indecent by the Islamic law, it is also considered very indecent by the society, by the people in general. And by the society, I don't mean any society in the world, but in particular, the Muslim community. Because it is those people who believe in Allah, believe in the Day of Judgment, who will have the correct standards. So what does fahisha refer to? It refers to unlawful sexual intercourse. So in other words, zina, fornication. So those women who commit fornication, whether they do it as a profession, meaning they're prostitutes, or they do it once in a while, whatever it is, they're married or they're unmarried min refers to muslim women so any muslim woman who commits this act allah says fastashhidu alayhinna arba'atan minkum fastashhidu seek witnesses bring witnesses alayhinna against them how many witnesses arba'atan four minkum from among you meaning from among muslims in other words if someone says this woman has committed zina then he better produce witnesses He cannot just go on accusing and slandering every woman that if he sees her with another man, he says, oh, she committed zina with him. Or that a woman is pregnant, and he says that she has committed zina. If a man, if a person accuses a woman of zina, then he better produce witnesses. How many witnesses? Allah says four. And these four witnesses should be minkum of you. Of you means those that are Muslim. And notice the word Arba'atan. The word "arbaatan," okay? Remember that in Arabic, the numbers, the words that are used for numbers, so أَرْبَعَةً, if they end with a tamar like over here, like a tamar buta over here, then remember that it's a number that is being used for men, for male. Alright? Because the word أَرْبَعَةً is used for men and Arba is used for women. This is similar to how it is a تِسْعَةُ رِجَال and tis'u نِسَاء. So when it is said tis'atu, it is used for females. Over here, what word is being used? Arba'atan. So what does it mean that it's being used for who? Men or women? Men. Alright? So arba'atan minkum means for men. So therefore, the witnesses must be who? Muslim. They must be men. And witnesses must be those who have actually witnessed the act themselves. Meaning they have seen it themselves. Not heard of, but they have seen the act. Meaning they don't just see a man and woman sitting next to one another. They don't just see them holding hands, but they actually see them committing the act. They come across them while they're committing the act. Why is this so strict? Because it's very common that women are accused. Isn't that so? Women are accused right, left and center all over the world in many societies and especially in societies where men are more dominant. Isn't that so? That if a woman has done something wrong, the father is unhappy with her or the brother is unhappy with her, the uncles are upset with her, they will accuse her of zina. Or even when she is raped, then she is accused of committing zina. So over here, women are being protected. That you can't just go and accuse her. If you say that she's committed zina, you have to produce four witnesses who have actually seen the act. Allah says, in shahidu, Then if they bear witness, who? The four witnesses, they testify, they say that yes, we saw her committing this act, then the punishment will be implemented. But what about if there's only three men who have witnessed it? Or let's say there's only one man who's accusing her. Or two men who are accusing her, who have seen the act, not four. Then in that case, you know what's going to happen? The woman is not going to be punished. Instead, the people who are accusing her, they will be punished. حَدُّ It is the punishment for slander, for false accusation. So in other words, a person better not open their mouth Unless and until they have solid evidence, unless and until there are witnesses that are present. So for in shahidu, if the witnesses are there, she is proven guilty. Then obviously the punishment will be implemented. And what was the punishment before? Faamsiku hunna fil that withhold them, retain them in the houses. Amsiku from imsak seen kaf. What does that mean? To retain, to keep, to not let go. So do not let them go, keep them where? Filbuyuti in the houses, plural of bait. Until when? For a year? For two years? Hatta until yatawafahunna al mawt, until death takes them, meaning until they die. Aw Allahu sabila, or Allah makes for them a way out. Now remember that the punishment that is given in this ayah is what? That they should be placed under house arrest that they should not be allowed to go out of the house. Why? Because it is going out of the house, mingling with men, alright, that has led them to such a crime, that has led them to losing their chastity. So don't give them that option anymore. Prevent them from committing this crime again. So what's the solution? Keep them contained within the house. Because if they go out, they're going to do it again. And if they go out, this crime is going to spread to other women as well. This is just like when a person commits something wrong, then what happens? They are jailed. Sometimes they are jailed for a few months, sometimes for a few years, and other times it's a life sentence, that they have to live in the prison forever, until they die basically. So this is a similar punishment. Now remember, Ibn Abbas anhu he said, that the early ruling was confinement, meaning this punishment was given in the beginning era of Islam. Alright, in the beginning. And later on, this punishment was abrogated with another punishment. We have learned about Nasr in Surah Al-Baqarah, that how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes He would give a command, and then later He would change it. Why? There were different reasons behind that. Many wisdom, which we studied before, alhamdulillah. So over here Allah says, اللَّهُ لَهُنَّ سبيلا. Or Allah will make a way out for them. Meaning, He will send down another command containing a different punishment for such people. So what was the punishment? The punishment later changed to flogging Okay, which is lashes. In Surah An-Nur, Ayah 2, we learn about this, that az to both the man and the woman who have committed zina, fajlidu Kulla Wahid minhumah mi جَلْدًا Then flog them each, a hundred lashes. So a hundred lashes was the punishment, and then a person was free to go. Alright? This was for who? For the unmarried woman. But the married woman who commits zina, then the punishment is different for her, which inshallah we will study later. Then Allah says, وَالَّذَانِ يَأْتِيَانِهَا مِنْكُمْ as for those two who commit it minkum from among you, what does it refer to? The same crime that was mentioned in the previous ayah. What was the crime? Fahisha. So for a woman, Fahisha is what? Zina. Over here, aladhani. Aladhani is singular or dual? Dual. Two people. And aladhani is the dual of alladhi alladhi one man. Aladhani. Two men. So those two men who commit fahisha, who commit fahisha minkum among you. The previous ayah stated the punishment for the woman who commits zina. And this verse is talking about the men who commit zina with one another. In other words, this ayah is referring to Al-liwat meaning homosexuality, rectal intercourse between men. So those men who commit this act, for them is also a punishment in the Islamic law. Now remember that al-liwat, homosexuality, this is worse than zina. It is worse than adultery. It is worse than fornication. Why? Because in the Qur'an, what do we learn about zina? Allah says, indeed it is an indecency but when it comes to homosexuality luth alayhisalam he said atatun al for zina fahishatan for homosexuality al fahisha meaning the indecency the very indecent act so remember that it is much worse than zina but then you may wonder that why is it mentioned after zina why is zina mentioned first? Zina is mentioned first because it is more common. Alright? And you see that. Fornication is something that's far more common than homosexuality. And also, remember, that al-liwat was so uncommon, especially at the time when these verses were revealed in Arabia, that It was unheard of, unknown of. Some companions, they said, that if Allah had not revealed verses concerning this act, we could never have imagined that a man would do something like this. Because it was considered something so indecent that people would not even think about it. They could not imagine that a man would like to be done with as a woman is done with. They could not even imagine that. It was something so repulsive. It was something so hated by them. So it was something unknown. And we see that zina, if you think about it, a relationship between a man and a woman, it does become halal in the case of nikah. Isn't it so? Meaning when two individuals, man and woman, are married, then the relationship is lawful. But rectal intercourse, can it ever be lawful? Never. Not between a man and woman, not between man and man. It can never be lawful. So this is the reason why this is something that is far worse and this is the reason why it is also forbidden. And also remember that there is a punishment for this. It is punishable. It's not just forbidden, but it's also punishable. What's the punishment? Allah says, فَآذُوهُمَا آذُو, give أَذَا To who? هُمَا, both of them. Both of who? Both of those men. آذُو, أذى. What does أَذَا mean? A slight hurt. Remember we have learned this word earlier, Yes, aluna karil قُلْ هُوَ Adha, they ask you about menstruation, tell them that it is adha, meaning it's hurtful, it's a pain, right? So likewise, these two individuals, Allah says, hurt them, give them pain. It doesn't mean abuse them. This is not what the meaning is. It just means hurt them, and remember that hurt is in three ways. Through qawl, through feral, and through hajr. qawl meaning through words. So for example, if someone does something really wrong, then other family members, what do they do? They go and yell at him or her, right? They scold them. They use a little bit of harsh language against them. Why? In order to discipline them, correct? And it doesn't matter how old they are. A man could be 35 years old. If his mother finds out that he's making a very dumb decision concerning his house or concerning his family, what will she do? She will yell at him. Isn't it so? So this is what? Ada. Why will she yell at him to stop him from making such a foolish decision? Alright? Secondly, Ada is through fairly, through action. That sometimes, you know, you use your words against someone and other times, you know, you give them a pinch, okay? Like you pinch them a little bit, or like you push them slightly. Doesn't mean that you take a stick and you beat them and abuse them until they're bruised and no, this is not what the meaning of adha is. Alright? This is like slightly. Physically hurt them. Why? Because a slight physical hurt also can have a great impact on you. Because just the thought that my mom pinched me, my dad, he gave me like a slap on my back or something like that. Like that thought itself shakes a person. Especially when they're an adult. Isn't it so? Like if somebody pinches you when they're angry or they slightly hit you with their hand, you get so offended, you're hurt. Isn't that so? But children, we see that their mothers are slapping them and hitting them and pinching them, but it doesn't make any difference to them. Isn't it? But adults, they get shaken up by this. So, أَذُوهُمَا in this way as well. And thirdly, through Hajr. What does Hajr mean? To leave. Meaning boycott. So for example, if someone is not talking to you because of the decision that you've made, then what happens? You get really hurt. You really start thinking about what you're doing. And then eventually you change your mind. Like if you decide to study, let's say, sociology as opposed to engineering, because that's engineering is something you're really good at, and your dad really wants you to do it, and you decide, no, no, I'm not going to study that. Instead, I'm going to go into sociology or psychology or something. Then your dad's so upset, he doesn't talk to you properly. Then what happens? You're like, what have I done? And then even though you don't want to leave sociology, but still you leave it, why? Just to please your dad. I'm not saying that this is something that should be adopted in everything. But I'm just giving you an example so that you can understand the meaning of adha. Alright? So huma in these ways. Why huma? Why hurt them in this way? So that they will stop what they are doing. This is the reason why Allah says, فَإِن تَابَ Then if they too repent, they do tawbah. And what does tawbah mean? To leave the sin that you're doing. So they stop committing that action. وَأَصْلَحَ And they reform. They make amends. They do islah. Then Allah says, فَأَعْرِضُوا عَنْهُمَا Then turn away from them. Meaning then leave them. Get over it. Don't keep reminding them of the mistake that they made in their past. Don't remind them 10 years down the road when they're sitting with their wife and their kids. Remember when you were a homosexual? No. Get over it. This person has done tawbah. They've done tawbah. They have done islah. They left that bad relationship. They have entered into a halal relationship. So leave. Leave them. Give them their freedom. And remember that إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ تَوَّابًا رَحِيمًا beautiful. Indeed, Allah is ever accepting of repentance and He's merciful. Meaning, no matter what sin a person commits, Allah is willing to accept His repentance. As long as a person repents. And He is rahim. He's merciful. You know, people don't forget. People don't forgive. But Allah forgives. So even if a person has committed this sin, then if they've done tawbah, then they should be accepted. Because Allah accepts them. So what do we learn in these verses? We learn about the prohibition of zina and the prohibition of homosexuality. And that these two crimes, they are punishable in the religion of Islam. And the punishment of it, okay? according to the Qur'an, for homosexuality is what? What's the punishment for homosexuality? According to the Qur'an, what did we learn in the ayah? huma That is the punishment according to the Qur'an. Now in the sunnah, we learned that the punishment is slightly different. And what is that? The Prophet ﷺ said, this is a hadith in Abu Dawood that man tu muhu عمل قوم لط فاقتل الفاعل والمفعول به That whoever you find committing the sin of the people of Luth, meaning committing rectal intercourse, homosexuality, then kill them. Both the one who does it and the one to whom it is done to. Meaning, the one who penetrates and the one in whom it is penetrated. In other words, the one who agrees that it should be done with him. But if a boy, if a man is raped, then that is a different story. Alright? That is a different story. This isn't the case where both of them agree to do it. They willfully, willingly do it. Now, it seems like a contradiction. The Qur'an says something different and the Hadith says something different. And the Qur'an gives a very slight punishment and the hadith, the sunnah gives a very severe punishment. I mean, qatl is something not small, it's something very major. So how do we reconcile this? The scholars have said that the punishment for liwaat is severe than the punishment for zina. In the previous verse, the punishment for zina was given. And what was that? Just confine them to the houses. But for liwaat or flogging, we see the punishment is for homosexuality, what is it? According to the sunnah, it is killing. Why? Because like I mentioned earlier, it is a much worse crime compared to zina. Alright? Because the thing is that when a man and woman commit this action, okay, it is something that is normal in the sense that people do have this kind of relationship in a halal way. But this kind of relationship between a man and a man, it's not permissible at all. A man and woman, if they commit a crime like this, you can separate them. They can still live in the society, but you can separate them. But if a man and a man commit this, then how can you separate them? You know, for example, in jails, right, where there are only men, it happens that men are raped by other men. It does happen. In boarding schools where it's all men, in so many places where it's only men, then this crime becomes quite common. And who can prevent a man from committing this action? You know, if you see a man and woman that are unrelated walking into a place, then you can be suspicious, right? And you have a right to follow up and stop them from what they're doing. But if a man and man are going somewhere, then how can you say they're doing something wrong? Do you see what I mean? So who can stop a man from a man? And when this punishment is not going to be severe, then what's going to happen? It's going to become very common. Isn't it so? Because the punishment serves as a deterrent. The severe, the harder, the tougher the punishment, the less people will commit it. Correct? So this is the reason why the punishment has been prescribed as so severe according to the sunnah so that men stay away from it. Because if this crime becomes common, then there's no end to it. There's no end to it. And when it becomes common, then men will become corrupted. Boys... Children will become corrupted, and we see this. Where young boys are literally raped by men. And women will also be affected. How will women be affected? Women will be deprived of their rights. Women will be deprived. Meaning, a woman has a right to be married. But if a man does not have an interest in women, then what is she meant to do? If a woman is married to a man, but that man is interested in other men, then she is going to be deprived in that relationship. Isn't that so? And remember that the scholar is upset at the punishment for a luti, for a person who commits homosexuality, for a gay man. The punishment, the first punishment is that he loses the pleasure of halal. He does not enjoy halal anymore. Meaning, he does not find women attractive. If he has a wife, he has no inclination towards her. And this is exactly what people say today. Isn't that so? That we just don't like women. You know, they're not attracted to women. Instead, they're attracted to men. And what's the explanation that is given behind that? This is how we are born. Right? But remember, that homosexual desires, homosexual thoughts, this is not that is ingrained in you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا Allah has put in every person fujur and taqwa, meaning the potential to sin and the potential to obey. So if you are inclined to sin, Allah has also put the other element in you, the inclination to obey. If Allah has tested you with a particular desire, He has also given you the strength, the means to overcome that. Because people are tested in different ways. This is just like a person says, you know, I love alcohol, I crave it, I desire it, I want it. So a person cannot say, my body needs it. He cannot say, well, you know what, I was born with it, so I can't help myself. No. You are tested through this desire. Just like many people are tested through other desires. So the bottom line is that this desire, if it comes up in a person, he is not sinful for the desire, for the thought. He is not sinful for that. But if he follows it up, with action. If he pursues it, then he is sinful. This is just like a man is attracted to a woman who is not his wife. Okay? He's not responsible for the bad thoughts. What did we learn at the end of Surah Al-Baqarah? That you're supposed to control such thoughts. Isn't it so? But if he says, no, I feel like it, I want it, I'm going to go to her, and I'm going to stay with her, and I'm going to live with her, because this is what I want then what's the difference between you and an animal? I mean, an animal just does whatever he feels like. Right? And if you go on pursuing your desires, living for the sake of your desires, then what's the difference? Or a child, you know, who does not have maturity, he just wants to fulfill his wishes. He wants coke. He wants juice right after milk. He wants, you know, different, different things. Whereas it's going to be very bad for his health, but he still wants it. Do you give it to him? You don't. Why? Because he doesn't know any better. So why should an adult behave like a child? Alright? So remember that the thought itself, a person is not punishable for that. The desire itself, a person is not punishable for that. But when he follows it up with action, then he is guilty. And remember that we as Muslims believe that it is a sin. And we understand that for some people, it is a great struggle we should understand that for some people it is a great struggle. This is just like for an individual, it's very hard for them to get over smoking, to get over alcohol, to get over drugs. Likewise, for another individual, it may be very hard for them to get over such thoughts, such desire, such inclination. Because this is what happens, that when you do something haram, then you're attracted to it so much that you have no inclination to halal. You don't want to do it it doesn't make any sense to you. You're not attracted to it at all. So it's going to take time for a person to get away from the haram to the halal. So we as Muslims should be tolerant in the sense that we should understand what the individual is going through. And we should help them as opposed to saying hateful speech against them. Alright? It doesn't mean that what they're doing is okay. It doesn't mean that we let them do it. And we say go ahead and we encourage you. You know, just follow your heart. No, this is not what it means. It is a sin. It is wrong. But we understand your struggle. This is what it means. And remember, one more thing, that where this is a sin, it is still a lesser sin compared to shirk. Okay? It is still a lesser sin compared to shirk. When we see a non-Muslim, we don't say, ah, non-Muslim. But if we see a person who is gay, they're like, astaghfirullah, la hawla wa And, you know, like, we are so repulsed. Definitely, it's a very repulsive action. I mean, people are different in their nature. Right? You may be repulsed by it, and other people are not. Okay? But remember that shirk is worse. You know, like some people say, that it is better to be a homosexual Muslim than to be a mushrik. Heterosexual. Okay? Yes. how much can such people be helped? I mean, how tolerant can you be towards them? Tolerant in the sense that, just think of it as any other problem that a person is going through, any other struggle that an individual is going through. Okay? Like for example, your friend, she's not wearing hijab. She says, it's very difficult for me, I can't do it. Remember that when she's not doing it, she is sinful. Every time a man sees her, she exposes her awrah to him, then she is sinful. What do you say to her? I'm not going to talk to you. Please don't come near me. Is this what you do with her? What do you do? You say, okay, I understand. You do sit with her, you talk to her, you explain to her, you guide her, and you keep encouraging her towards what she has to do. Isn't it so? You never become accepting of it, you should not become accepting of it, that okay, fine, you don't wear it, go ahead. No, you should constantly be on her case, however possible, your goal should be to lead her towards what she should do. This is just like if a person is a drug addict. They can't get off of drugs in one day. What happens? You gradually wean them off. And for that, they need the support of their family and friends. Alright? Inshallah, I'll get to the final punishment eventually in, after the discussion. All right? So getting back to the fact that this is still a lesser sin compared to shirk. And this is the reason why, remember that for people who are not Muslim... I'm not talking about Muslims, I'm talking about non-Muslims, who make this choice of living this kind of a lifestyle, then remember that it's their choice, it's not our problem. Just like shirk is their choice, eating pork is their choice, consuming riba is their choice, committing zina is their choice, consuming alcohol is their choice, wearing certain kind of clothes is their choice, that's their choice. For them are their deeds, and for us are our deeds. Okay? So, remember that living in a society that we are in right now, what is diversity? That live and let live. You have your choices and people have their choices. You express your approval of something that is correct and you express your disapproval of something that you believe is wrong. So we don't say that, okay, homosexuality is allowed. No, we don't say that. We say it is wrong. But it doesn't mean that we start saying things about people who have made this choice, who are non-Muslim, that you're going to hellfire, and you're so evil, and you're so dirty, and you're so filthy, and you're this and you're that, you're worse than animals. No, we can't make such comments on them. You understand? We cannot make such comments on them. Because remember, that their homosexuality is their choice, but the shit that they're doing is much worse. We should be more concerned about their shit than about their homosexuality. Alright? So this is something that I want you to remember, I want you to understand. But at the same time we believe, it's not right. We don't do it. It's your choice? Okay. Just like your choice is to eat pork, your choice is to eat riba, your choice is to eat whatever. But this is not something that we do. This is not something that we like, this is something that we do not accept. But living in this society, your actions are yours, our actions are ours, we're not going to express hatred against you, just like you will not express hatred against us. Because remember that the laws of Islam are applicable to who? To Muslims or non-Muslims? Muslims. So always think about Muslims who are suffering from this problem. Now, what's the punishment? The punishment is, like I mentioned earlier, ada in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah it qatl. But the ayah says that the one who repents and reforms, then فَأَعْرِضُوا عَنْهُمَا Meaning do not punish them. What does this mean? This means that at the first level, the punishment is adha. So, for example, the family members find out, the acquaintances, the relatives, the close friends, they find out that a Muslim man or a Muslim woman has entered into such a relationship. So, what is their responsibility? Adha. Like the father is upset, or the mother, you know, she says something to her or him. Okay? Adha. Through call through fairl, through hajr. In whatever way, they can manage to stop them. But remember, that in a Muslim government, if the Muslim authority catch a person who is guilty of this crime, then the legal punishment will be applied. And what is the legal punishment? Which is mentioned in the sunnah, which is qatl. But again, if a person is caught, and then they say, I promise I'm not going to do this again. They do tawbah even after they're caught. The punishment is about to be implemented, but they repent. Then in that case, again, they should be left. They should not be punished. What's the evidence of that? The evidence is that there was a man by the name of Ma'iz bin Malik who committed zina. He was married. And for a married man who commits zina, the punishment is rajim, stoning to death. And this man came and confessed to the Prophet i I've committed this crime, so clean me. Clean me, meaning implement the punishment on me. So the Prophet his usual habit was that if people would come and confess like this, he would turn away because he didn't want to implement the punishment on them. Because if Allah has hidden a crime, then let it remain hidden. You repent to Allah, beg His forgiveness, and hopefully Allah will forgive you. But don't come and publicize your sin. But this man, you know, he insisted, just like that woman also came and insisted that the punishment be implemented. So anyway, he was handed over to the companions. The Prophet ﷺ told them to implement the punishment on him. Now when they caught him and when they were going to implement the punishment, he started to run away. He started to run away because he got afraid. And the Sahaba, they caught him and they implemented the punishment on him. And when they told the Prophet ﷺ later that this is what he did, he was running away, the Prophet ﷺ said, "Halla تَرَكْتُمُوهُ yatubu fayatubu why did you not leave him? So he would repent and Allah would accept his repentance. So we see that even until the last moment, if a person repents, then what is to be done? Turn away from them, accept their repentance, leave them, because Allah is accepting of repentance and He is forgiving. But if a person is very confident, very bold, very persistent about the wrong that he's doing, then you have to punish them. Why? Because like I mentioned earlier, if one man does it, then this punishment is going to spread. Because then people get so used to it, they enjoy it so much, that what is halal is not enjoyable for them anymore. And then this evil is going to spread within men, and it's going to spread within women. The whole society is going to get corrupted. And we learned earlier, at the beginning of the surah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created that a couple is which one? A man and a woman through whom children can come. That is what a couple is. And this is where the relationship becomes permissible. Alright? Because a man and woman, this is the natural union. A man and man, if they're together, it's not going to produce any children. This is just fulfillment of lust. This is just fulfilling your desire. And it has many repercussions. And the bottom line is that rectal intercourse is something that is forbidden. And how is a man to enjoy another man without this kind of relationship? So this is the reason why this is something not only forbidden, but this is something that is severely punishable in our deen as well. But remember that for those people who are not Muslim, when they make their choice, It's their choice. We dislike it, we don't approve of it, but it doesn't mean we say, hate speech against them. Alright? Then Allah says, إِنَّمَا التَّوبَةُ Indeed, the repentance. عَلَى اللَّهِ Upon Allah. What does it mean by this? إِنَّمَا التَّوبَةُ عَلَى اللَّهِ That the tawbah, that is, you can say, a duty, incumbent on Allah to accept. That the repentance that Allah definitely accepts, the repentance that Allah accepts is from who? Liladina for those people who yarmalu su'a who commit the evil, meaning the sin. How? Bijahalatin in ignorance. What is jahala? From jahal that a person doesn't know. He doesn't know that it is wrong. He doesn't have that knowledge. But ignorance is not just this. Jahala is also when a person temporarily becomes ignorant, that he knew, but. In that moment, he forgot. He was so overcome by his desire that he didn't realize what he was doing and later on he realized. This is just like in theory, we know we're supposed to do sabr. We're supposed to control our anger, isn't it? But what happens when someone does something really foolish and you get upset? You become angry. What happens when you're hurting? You don't do sabr. And then later on you're like, Oh man, I learned about sabr. I learned about ghadab. Right, So we know, but at that time we become jahil. Isn't it so? We become ignorant. So if a person commits a sin in ignorance, and then after that, ثُمَّ يَتُوبُونَ مِنْ قَرِيبٍ Then they repent from near. Near over here means in time. Meaning as soon as they realize, they do tawbah. So firstly, they did not commit the sin deliberately, on purpose. It was a mistake, or it was a result of not knowing. They had no idea, or they knew but they forgot. But as soon as they realized, as soon as they got to know, they did tawbah. ثُمَّ يَتُوبُونَ من so such people, Allah says, فَأُولَٰئِكَ يَتُوبُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ Allah turns in mercy towards them, meaning He accepts their repentance. Why? Because وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلِيمًا hakima. Allah is knowing and He is wise. Wise, meaning He knows best whose tawbah should be accepted, whose tawbah is sincere, and whose tawbah is not sincere. Now, earlier we learned about men who commit the evil act of homosexuality. So one is a man who doesn't know. He has no idea. He commits such an action. But when he finds out, what is he supposed to do? Tawbah. When the family and the friends, they do okay, what is his duty that he should repent? But if he does not repent, he does not do tawbah, he persists on his wrong ways, then will his repentance be accepted? Will his saying sorry be accepted? No. He has to repent upon realization. And when a person commits a sin out of forgetfulness, this is similar to how we say رَبَّنَا لَا إِنْ نَسِينَا أَوْ أخطأنا. If we forget or we make a mistake, وليس التوبة tawbah It is not for who لِلَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ السَّيِّئَاتِ. For those people who commit evils, meaning who commit the sins, meaning they do something wrong and they keep doing it, they keep doing it persistently, they make it a habit. They know they should not be doing it, but they still carry on. Until when? until إِذَا حَضَرَ أَحَدَهُمُ الموت When death appears to one of them. حَضَرَة, from حَضَرَة, to approach. That when death approaches one of them, when they see the angel of death, then Qala he says, إِنِّي تُبْتُ الْآنِ I repent now. الْآن means now. Meaning I repent. I do تَوْبَة, 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 تَوْبَة. But when they see the angel of death, when they realize they're about to die, then they repent. All their life, until they had the choice, until they had the freedom, even though they knew what they were doing was wrong, they kept on doing it. But when death approached, they started repenting. Allah says their tawbah is not accepted. Who else's tawbah is not accepted? Wallah and Norn. From who? Al-ladina yamutuna. Those who die, wahum hum kuffar. While they're still disbelieving. Kuffar, plural of kafir. Meaning they die as disbelievers, they die as sinful, they die while committing that sin. They never repented from it. Ula'ika a'tadna lahum adaban For them, we have prepared a painful punishment. You know, Fir'aun, all along he knew that Musa A.S. was right. But did he do tawbah? Did he repent? No, he didn't. And then finally, when he was about to drown, what did he say? Amantu. Hmm? Amantu, right? That I believe that أنه لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا Illa Illa آمَنَتْ بِهِ Banu That I believe in the same God in whom the Bani Israel believe in. But was his tawbah accepted? No. Was his Iman accepted? Not at all. It was rejected. Why? Because when he had the choice, when he had the freedom To leave the wrong, he never left it. Deliberately never left it. And then when his time was over, then he submitted. So such kind of tawbah is not accepted. So remember that there are four types of people who repent. Firstly, are those who repent immediately. What does it mean by immediately? Not that they say, yeah, I know this is something wrong. I'll just do it and then I'll do istighfar. Like for example, a person says, I know it's haram to eat pork, but you know what? I really want to have it. Like I've always wondered how it tastes. You know, I love meat and I've always wanted to try it. So you know what? I'm going to have some and immediately I'm going to do istighfar. Is this what it means? No. They do it in ignorance. They didn't know about it. They forgot completely. And a Muslim can never forget that pork is haram. Right? This is something that you always remember. I remember there was a kid once I saw in a Muslim playgroup or something and the kids were having pizza. And one boy, his younger brother was given pepperoni pizza. Okay? So this older brother, he goes to the teacher, although she was a Muslim teacher, he said, we're not allowed to have that. My mom said, we cannot have it. He didn't know that in a Muslim environment he would be given halal pepperoni. He was always so used to being at school and being offered pepperoni pizza, that he knew that he's not supposed to have it. So when the teacher brought it, the Muslim teacher he said, we can't have it. So this is something that we don't forget. Alright? That pork is haram is something that we don't forget. So if a person says, you know what, I'm gonna have it and I'm gonna do istighfar immediately, this is not repenting immediately. Repenting immediately means that when a person commits a sin without realizing, out of forgetfulness, as soon as he realizes He does tawbah. This person, his tawbah is accepted or rejected? Accepted. The second type of person is the one who delays tawbah. Like for example, a person sleeps in the night, fajr time comes in, and he's still sleeping. They miss their fajr. And then they wake up, and they're like, oh, I missed it. Too bad. What can I do? Whatever. Whatever. It's too early anyway. It's too tired. And then the next day comes. And again, same thing. They miss their Fajr. Whatever. What can I do? And the next day, what can I do? And the next day, what can I do? And then one day they're like, "Uh, you know what? I think it's right. Maybe I should, you know, think about praying Fajr on time. So they're like, you know what? It's okay. Let the summer pass. I'll pray in winter. Yeah? Or let the week pass, I'll pray on the weekend. So they say, I will repent later. Do you see what I mean? They're not repenting immediately. They say, I will repent later. Now for such a person, when he does repent eventually, whether it's the next day, or the next week, or the next month, or the next season, or the next year, whenever they repent, they repent later. Remember that it is up to Allah. He can accept their repentance and he can reject their repentance. He can accept it, and he can also reject it. And this is a very risky situation. Very risky. That a person keeps delaying, delaying and delaying, thinking when I turn 20, then I'll start waking up a fajr. When I start going to university, then I'll start waking up a fajr. When I'm married, then I'll do it. When I have kids, then I'll do it. When my kids are older, then I'll do it. And life goes on. Right? So this delay in repentance means that it's quite possible that your repentance is not accepted. What's the solution? What should be done? That when you wake up realizing that you did not wake up for fajr, don't do anything until you pray your fajr first of all, and secondly, you seek Allah's forgiveness. And you make a commitment to not make the same mistake again the next day. And how can you do that? By preparing yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, so that you ensure that you wake up or fajr the next morning. If you're sleeping at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, it's not going to be possible for you to wake up at 5. Right? Likewise, mentally prepare yourself. If you tell yourself, it's too early, I cannot wake up, then you won't be able to wake up. You have to tell yourself, I am going to wake up. Set an alarm. Have someone to wake you up. But if you don't do anything about it, and one day after the other is going, then you are in big trouble. This is something very serious. You know what the punishment is for deliberately leaving salah? Do you know what it is? What's the punishment? What are the repercussions? What does the hadith tell us? That the difference between iman and kufr, the difference between faith and disbelief is what? Tarkus Sala, leaving salah. meaning the one who intentionally leaves the prayer, it's as though he is committing disbelief. This is something very serious. In a hadith, we learn the Prophet ﷺ mentioned about the one who he saw being punished, that how his his head was being crushed with a huge rock, with a huge boulder. And who was that? The one who sleeps through a Salatul Maktuba, the one who sleeps through. Mandatory prayer. He sleeps through the time and forgets the Qur'an that he learned. This is the punishment for the one who deliberately leaves the salah. A man was mentioned before the Prophet ﷺ that he slept through the prayer. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Satan urinated in his ear. I mean, that's disgusting. We don't see it, but it's, it's disgusting that shaitan has so much control over you. He's like laughing at you, peeing on you. I mean, this is something not small. This is disgusting. In a hadith we also learn that the one who performs the two cool prayers, Fajr and Asr, then he will be admitted into Jannah. He will be saved from the punishment of hell. So in other words, if your Fajr is not right, then you are at a huge risk. You could potentially go to hellfire. Really, if Fajr is not right. So we cannot have a casual attitude towards Salatul fajr We have to become serious about it. Tawbah is for who? Those who commit a sin in ignorance. In ignorance. They didn't know. Or they set the alarm. They were mentally ready to wake up. But they didn't hear anything. Nobody came to wake them up. And then as soon as they woke up, even if it was 15 minutes after the time expired, what do they do? Oh, I've missed it anyway, so let me sleep for two more hours? No, they get up and they pray immediately. This is ulaika يَتُوبُونَ min qareeb Those who repent immediately. Such people, their tawbah is accepted. But those who keep delaying, keep delaying, keep delaying, oh, what's gonna happen? Their tawbah is not accepted. Or it's up to Allah that He will either accept or reject for those who procrastinate. The third type of people are those who do tawbah at the time of death. When they see the angel of death, then they start doing tawbah. Such people, their tawbah is not accepted at all. Like Fir'aun. The four type of people are those who do not do tawbah at all. Even when the angel of death shows up, they don't repent. Or they don't get a chance to repent because they die in an instant. They don't get a chance to repent at all. So they die in that state. Again, their tawbah is rejected. So who is the only saved group? Those who repent immediately. We are weak. We do make mistakes. We sin. What's the solution? Do tawbah. But who can do tawbah? The one who fears Allah. The one who wants Jannah, the one whose heart is inclined to Allah. Such a person can repent. And the one who is distant, far away, they will not repent. Let's listen to the
1: recitation. فَإِنْ شَهِدُوا فَأَمْسِكُوهُمْ فِي الْبُيُوتِ حَتَّى يَتَوَفَّاهُنَّ الْمَوْتُ حَتَّى يَتَوَفَّاهُنَّ الْمَوْتُ أَوْ يَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ لَهُنَّ سَبِيلًا وَاللَّذَانِ يَأْتِيانِهَا مِنْكُمْ فَأَذُوهُمَا فَإِن تَابُوا وَأَصْلَحُوا فَأَعْرِضُوا عَنْهُمَا إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ تَوَّابًا رَّحِيمًا إِنَّمَا التَّوْبَةُ عَلَى اللَّهِ لِلَّذِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ السُّوءَ بِجَهَالَةٍ ثُمَّ يَتُوبُونَ ثم يتوبون من قريب فاولئك يتوب الله عليهم وكان الله عليما حكيما I've